This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, Steeler Nation, and welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast, fueled by Stoney's Brewing. Official beer of Steeler Nation, Crack of Stoney's. Pure, honest beer. I'm your host, G Striker, flying high and flying solo yet again today. But I'm ready to get into Steeler-related news. And first of all, let's start talking about the game against the Patriots last week. My lord, was that a suck fest? I did not see that coming. Uh, previous two years, the Steelers played the Patriots incredibly close. The game plans have been smart. The Steelers have been retooling on defense to make sure that they can keep the team speed up and play against these types of receivers and the quick attack. And they got shellacked. It wasn't even close. It was painful to watch. Uh, I kept waiting for them to get back in the game, and they never did. Uh, and they never really had a chance to get back in the game with all of the miscues that we're going to start talking about. Um, first off, I mean, I just can't believe that the way the Steelers attacked on defense, actually their first drive on defense, they did a good job. And I did like that they had uh, all three defensive linemen on the field. Um, you had Hargrave getting penetration on third down on the, their sixth play or fifth play or sixth play to, to force a punt. So, you know, after the first drive of the game on defense, I was feeling pretty good. Hey, this is the defense we put together. We're looking pretty good. Uh, then we got an offense and went nowhere, gave the ball back, and they got a touchdown. And that's when it started to snowball from there. Um, personally, you know, Tom Brady is smart. And the Patriots are smart. As much as I want to call them cheaters, as much as a lot of Steeler Nation want to call them cheaters, they do fundamentals probably better than anybody else in the NFL, and that's why they are as good as they are. They know what they can get away with. They play on the borderline of the rules. And what I mean by that is I'll give you a few examples. They've got new rookie offensive linemen playing their first game and little to no miscues at all because one of the things that the Patriots do really well besides drafting high motor guys and guys with high intensity that are good at, at holding space is teach how to get away with little holdings not like the big egregious things putting an arm around somebody's neck grabbing somebody tackling them down but they keep their hands inside they keep their hands in the center of their body, and if they grab, they're grabbing internally. So you're not seeing a big rip on a jersey. You're seeing a turn. Um, these types of things can help out new offensive linemen. It's a tactic that a lot of teams use. The Patriots use it perfectly. Every time I see them play, I'm seeing them you know, get away with it, but getting away with it on the borderline of the rules. If the refs can't see it, it's not a penalty. doesn't mean they're not holding. It just means it's not a penalty if they can't see it. Secondly, what they do incredibly well is they kind of do the same thing on defense. 
when they're running bump and run and when they're doing press coverage, defenders will not extend to grab. Anytime a, a defensive back gets their arms all the way out, bam, you can see it. It's a holding. It's a grab. It's a push. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's either pass interference or it's holding. Um, but what they do, they also keep their hands in close. You can get a little grab in close. You can kind of push somebody's arm down in close. Uh, if you're reaching and doing it, obviously it's a foul, but that's something else they do really well. And the third thing that they do really well, they know the rules for setting picks inside with wide receivers. They know within one yard, they've got carte blanche. They can do whatever they want. They can hit you as hard as they want within a yard. Uh, outside of a yard, you got to make it look like it's an accident. You got to make it so you're not necessarily hitting a player, but the other defender that's coming across that pick has to go around that person. Um, one big microcosm for what I observed in the game was the time the Steelers got called for a pick on offense. And if you watch the replay, this is like watching college basketball. Um, the offensive player, I can't remember who the offensive player was. I don't even remember if it was Edelman or not. Um, but when they came across the middle, they got a glancing touch on the, on their, you know, uh, left shoulder and kicked out his legs, went to the ground, made it look like he was knocked out. Um, took a charge like Duke basketball takes a charge. Um, you know, they're smart at taking charges. They know how to flop and get down to get the call. Patriots did it on that situation. I didn't think it was a big hit at all. Um, but that they understand the rule. They know if you're going to get hit coming across the middle or if somebody's going to try to take a piece coming across the middle, if you go down, you're going to get a benefit of the doubt on offense. And that has to do with coaching. It's something that those coaches know. Maybe it's something specifically that these referees call because they called one on each team. Patriots did get called as well. And my cat's meowing, so i got to let the cat out of the room. So I don't know if they specifically attacked this refereeing squad to uh, pinpoint them as being a little bit more apt to calling uh, holdings and uh, offensive pass interference, defensive pass interference with pick plays, but they they were coached as if they knew, and it was uh, it, it's something you got at least uh, respect them for. You know, utilizing the rules to their advantage, and that's what they do better than any other team, and that's why they're winning championships. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, moving on to the, at least the performances that I saw on the field, um, you know, T.J. Watt got rated highly on Pro Football Focus for having a great game. He was double teamed the entire game. He still managed some pressures. You know, it really, he was really. Um, managed to the point where he wasn't that big of a factor in the game and that's what the Patriots do well they try to double team your stars to take them out so you have to beat them with other guys and that was the guy that they wanted to take out I mean Dupree ended up getting a sack in that game but you know that was the only sack of the game and it was really the only time he got close to Brady uh, the uh, rookie right tackle was managing him pretty well uh, I wish they would have switched them left to right just to create mismatches and confusion because they play the other sides. They know the other sides. If they're stonewalling you one way, flip sides, run it again. And then they're going to be like, well, we've got a double team on this side. With a young line, there might be some confusion. Didn't happen, and that's a, a coaching error on the Steelers' part. 
Also, past that first drive, they took Hargrave off the field for the most part on third downs, and with a two-lineman set, they were not getting pressure. And that hurt the Steelers. I mean, Brady had time. Brady got pressured minimally. He only went down once with two new starters on offensive line. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. He should have been down multiple times. But like we said earlier, they know how to take advantage of the rules, and they know how to protect their quarterback as well because that's their biggest play. They have to protect Brady because at 42, he takes a big hit. He could be lost for the career. So, you know, they've got to be smart, and they know where they're – where their future lies and where their success lies is in one Tom Brady. If he goes down, probably the entire uh, team's success would drop significantly. So, other aspects of the game. There were some questionable coaching calls on down and distance. I mentioned one specifically on my article for SteelerNation.com titled, As the Game Turns. There's always a play you know, within the, the game, within the game, so to speak, on where win or loss, or at least the flow of the game, is determined by a play. And at this instance, I pointed out the fourth and inches play where the Steelers elected to punt, albeit on their side of the field, but you're talking about three inches. You're talking about three inches with a Hall of Fame quarterback who has the word big in his nickname, and with two perennial all-pros pouncing into Castro in front of him, if those guys can't get three inches, you don't deserve it. But they punted. They chose to punt instead of going for it. I know it doesn't matter where it is on the field. If Brady sees that distance every time he gets up the line of scrimmage, quick, goes, boom, done, first down. And I watched him do it all last year. And he's he's smart. I mean, <laughs> he's a smaller quarterback. I mean, he's still a big quarterback, don't get me wrong, but he's smaller than Big Ben. Big Ben can't manage those types of plays. You know, that it's going to be a long season. Um, Steelers seem to be chasing that down-and-distance thing the rest of the game. They ended up kicking a field goal on their first drive of the second half, which was their best drive of the game. Got it all the way down to the goal line. Uh, they had a, a yard to go, and they kick a field goal. And that was pretty much the end of the game. They they were never close to scoring after that point. Uh, it seemed, too, like there were some short yardage plays where I don't know if any of you guys have played Tech Mobile before back in the day. But if you play Tech Mobile and you're on defense and you call the other team's play, like the other team kind of jumps over the line, like every player like just completely annihilates the play. And honestly, that it looked like, the Patriots were doing that on Steelers' short yardage plays. They just completely would destroy the Steelers at the line of scrimmage. Everybody would be in the backfield, and they'd look terrible in their execution. You know, I'm not saying they're stealing calls or anything, but it was just it's, – it's just terrible to watch and to have it look like a video game and have it look like somebody's just playing Tech Mobile, getting their team to win 33-3. to That's what it looked like, man. That's what it looked like. I wasn't a fan of it. But, you know, I'm going to give Boz credit. He hit his first kick. It's his only kick of the game. He was one for one. Let's get him back on track to being the Wizard of Boz as opposed to Terra Boz from last year. And uh, albeit it was the, like, the shortest field goal you can kick in the game, he still made it. Let's keep building on it. I thought Barry did pretty well in punting. He had a lot of practice. We punted a decent amount of times. 
He had some good good long ones. Got one inside the 20. You know, if, if the best thing I can do is talk up the kicker is we had a bad game. Bad game. And nobody had a worse game, unfortunately, than Dante Moncrief, who now has to be known as Dante Moncrief because, man, it was tough watching him play. Uh, four drops in the game. Four drops all of last season for him. I mean, that's crazy. And he had four in one game. Came out and stated, of course, that it's his worst game ever, and he felt sick about his performance. I'm glad he's at least saying that, but he's 100% right. I mean, he's known as a hands guy. I watched the guy run roots. He's got good hand placement. A lot of the times the ball was batted out of his hands, and that's a problem with him not working his way back to the football. He works his way back to the football. He catches every single one of those balls. Um, instead, he waited for the football. The defenders were on him, knocked it right out of his hands every time. You know, good game planning on the Patriots' part. But he could have made the difference between a catch and no catch by taking two steps toward the quarterback every time the ball was thrown. And it's crazy, too, with the Steelers. Like, the entire Steelers roster last year, they had two players at four drops on the season. Two players. One was Vance McDonald. Four drops on the entire season. He played 15 games. The other one was Juju Smith-Schuster, also played 15 games. But he had six drops on the season, albeit he had a lot more targets. I mean, AB, AB also had a ton of targets as well. He had three drops. AB was always a guy that rarely dropped the ball. He'd have one, two, three drops a season when he's getting, you know, 100 and, between 100 and 125 balls. I mean, that's insane. Those are insane numbers. But for what Moncrief did in that game, four drops. Still, I mean, what did he end up with? Maybe, goodness. Uh, three catches. So four drops with three catches is not ideal. It's not good. Below the line, Coach Tomlin will say, as well as the coaching. We know. It was a tough game. But it's past us. It's Fortunately, it's the first game of the season. You know, running down just the uh, the team aspects and some of the things that I saw in the numbers uh, for the performance. Total yards, Patriots had 469 to the Steelers 308. Passing yardage, 366 to 276. And rushing was 99 to 32, all in the Patriots' favor. Obviously, we know the points. There's only one interception, only one turnover, which is good for the Steelers. Steelers didn't get any turnovers in that game. I would have liked them to get more. But they were looking a little bit confused on defense. Cameron Kelly, I thought, was going to have a better game. He was confused. And they went at him. Nelson looked confused being in his first game with the team. And, you know, it was a, it was a an effect that permeated down through the rest of the team. Uh, one interesting point, though, I will make. Steeler football in September, you got to usually – they're leading the league in, in penalties. Usually they get double-digit penalties in, in September. It's not out of the question. They only had six in the game. Uh, Patriots had seven, which is surprising. They had more than the Steelers. But that's a minor point, minor issue, minor minor uh, bright point, I should say, which isn't really even that bright. It's as dim as they get. But the game's over. you got to move on. And Steelers have to go back to the drawing board. They did a couple things in the game that I am interested in seeing them repeat. They started doing some pony backfield. They ran a couple plays with both Connor and Jalen Samuels in the backfield. I want to see more of that. 
I want to see um, how they're going to get to those plays because then you can do run pass options out of there significantly. I mean, that could be really, really interesting things if Fiekner can put something together uh, with that pony offense. Um, so, you know, moving on, a couple bumps and bruises from the team coming out of the game. Um, evidently, Roosevelt Knicks, he wasn't mentioned after the game, but he ended up getting a knee injury. Uh, it looks like he's probably not even going to play this week. Uh, might be out for a few weeks, according to Mike Tomlin. Uh, three players that were hurt during the game were TJ Watt, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Marquise Pouncey. Um, they're a little bit more serious, but we're going to watch how they're going to perform this week. Hopefully, they'll be able to play this weekend. Tomlin was upbeat about their performance. Joe Hayden also hurt his uh, AC joint. He sprained it. He uh, came out of the game and went back in. I'm sure he's going to be limited in the game this week, but he should play this weekend, or at least I'm, I'm you know, going to be marking him, ticking him to, to play this weekend. Sean Davis should be coming back to practice this week was what uh, we were told. And we'll keep an eye out to see his level of participation, his level of participation to see if that ups. Um, interesting points on the inactive lists. Obviously Steelers went and they picked up um, Johnny Holton right before the game. He was active. Um, he was big point or a big part of their special teams this preseason. And he continued to do that for the game. Um, but that just meant a couple of people sat, which I was I'm surprised that Chooks Okafor sat. He was a swing tackle last year. Um, he ended up not playing, so Banner got in there instead. So we'll we'll see how that progresses if he's taking a step back and or Banner's taking a step forward. So it's interesting, just something to to keep in mind. Um, they of course sat Gentry. Um, and that's not a surprise. I really don't think there's a role for him in the offense right now. Uh, I'm surprised the Steelers didn't cut him instead of uh, Tuzar Skipper, who ended up going to waivers, did not clear waivers, and is now a New York Giant, which is unfortunate. I, I don't think if Gentry was cut that he would have gotten picked up by anyone, but that's just me. That's just my opinion. Um, and also the big news was Josh Dobbs got traded, um, you know, being inactive for his first game in a while, uh, cause last season he was the second quarterback. Now he's not a stealer. He got traded to the Jacksonville Jaguars who are in big need of quarterback after Nick Foley and dynamite, Nick Foles, the former Super Bowl MVP from the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, hurt his, uh, his, uh, clavicle. It looked like he broke it. So he might not be back this season. That's a rough, rough injury. Um, but, you know, good luck to Dobbs. I, I hope he does well down there. Uh, worst case scenario, if he doesn't work out with that aerospace engineering degree, he is very close to the space program and SpaceX and NASA launches there and the Kennedy Space Center just south of uh, Jacksonville, a couple hours away. So maybe he can parlay that into an internship or maybe a job if he doesn't continue with football. But either way, more power to you, Dobbs. Good luck to you in your future. Thank you very much. You were an excellent um, uh, member of the Steelers, good role model for the kids, and I uh, wish nothing but the best for you, man. Um, somebody that I don't wish the best for, which we talked about extensively last week and we're going to talk about more this week, is Antonio Brown. Came back out. We were super excited. He got cut. He got cut. I mean, geez, he got cut right after the podcast. Actually, during the podcast, he got cut. And now, like, yay, hooray, he got cut. Oh, my gosh, he's such an idiot. Look at him. He's, he's Nobody's going to pay for him now. Nobody's going to want him. Nobody's going to pay him any money. And then what happens that day? 15 mil contract with the Pats. Boom. Faster 
then you can say Spygate. Antonio Brown is a Patriot. I mean, what the hell, man? <laughs> it's like, was this coordinated? It, it, is Antonio Brown really that smart? Can he mess up his feet intentionally and then lie about it? And state it was some cryotherapy thing and then have this helmet issue and just keep riding it and riding it and riding it, even though he he might have known he, he had no chance of winning because his friend Tom Brady had the same helmet and might, might have told him, hey, there's no chance of you getting your helmet. But you keep riding this, man. Maybe, maybe we can get you on the team. I mean, did he fool all of us? I mean... You might want to think it comes down to tampering. I mean, is it's there is a backlog of evidence that the Patriots made an offer to the Steelers for a first-round draft pick for Antonio Brown, and the Steelers declined it, of course. You're not trading it to a rival in your conference. There's no way you want the rich to get richer. You're going to trade him to Never Rands down there in uh, L.A., the Raiders, and, and more power to them. But... Did they have this in the back of their mind? Did Drew Rosenhaus have this in the back of his mind, too? Knowing that they could spin this thing, they could have Antonio Brown just act the fool to the point where they just, you've got to cut bait. And they cut bait. Fell into their hands, fell, fell into the trap. And Bill Belichick laughs all the way to the bank. Now I didn't have to give up even a pick. Look at those stupid Steelers. Got who we want. Steelers are on tilt going into that game. They knew Antonio was a, a Patriot before they played in that game. He wasn't eligible for the game, but they knew he was a Patriot. That had to be playing in the minds of the Steelers a little bit. That's tough. That's tough. But then what happens? The next day, Antonio Brown. Three sexual assault charges. One of them a rape charge. That's amazing. One thing about Antonio Brown. He is not a mastermind. He's been falling apart for years. Players have been saying it. People that used to do podcasts with me have been saying it because they knew him on a personal level where he just stopped being interactive, stopped showing up to uh, times where they said they were going to meet and hang out, stopped being there for each other, and kind of going his own world. And um, he's in his own world now. And that world is a world that is only Antonio Brown. So these allegations that come out, I know a lot of people want to say, oh, somebody's trying to go after his money. Somebody's trying to go after his pocketbook. I don't know. With what AB's been showing me this entire offseason and what he's shown me in the past, I'm not giving this guy the benefit of the doubt of anything. Not a single benefit of the doubt. Did he do it? Oh, I don't know if he did it or not, but... I'm not going to defend the guy. I'm not going to get behind that train wreck of a human being and say he didn't do it. I'm not going to accuse him, but I'm not going to defend him. Definitely not going to defend him. So then you got to take a look at the report that came out. There's now a police report out. And there's some texts out as well. And the texts are borderline inelig ineligible. I mean... But what the what the police report unintelligible. <laughs> but what the police report states 
is threefold. It's um, you know, this uh, this woman knew Antonio Brown from college. They used to meet and hang out, um, it's do some uh, Bible study together. I guess back when Antonio Brown was religious, um, and created a, a relationship. She went off to uh, start her own gymnasium uh, and train girls, empower them, and um. Antonio Brown says, hey, I need some training. I need help with my flexibility. Why don't you come over? I'll fly out. Uh, we can work together. You can help me train in that. Um, worked out fine. I guess they were doing it for a bit. And then I guess Antonio Brown exposed himself to her once. She's like, you can't do that, man. I can understand that. First time, yeah, you just can't do that. Um, later on, I guess uh, a month later, uh, they're in a situation where they're if this story is is to be taken at face value and to be believed, it's insane. I mean, she's like, okay, let's sit down and watch this sermon um, because you know it's. I, I assume it, it it relates directly to their relationship from college, being religious, uh, doing some religious things together. It, it seemed to make sense. She's watching this sermon on her computer, and all of a sudden feels a wet spot on her back, and evidently. That wet spot was caused by Antonio Brown. And he went on to brag about it. So <laughs> I can't understand if Antonio Brown did that, why he would do that. I don't know, unless he's trying for comeback player of the year. But, you know, that's my only uh, thought on that. But that's not how you get comeback player of the year, Antonio Brown. You actually have to do good things. Not ejaculate on someone's back. But I digress. It devolved from there. I guess they stopped communicating for a good long time, a few months, um, probably a season or something. And um, Antonio Brown reaches back out. She does not respond. Antonio reaches back out, apologizes, contrite, never happened again. I need help with this. Can you help me? Sure. I'll help you one more time. I mean, evidently, he's probably paying well. Um, and they go to a social function with some players and trainers. After that social function, I guess the hotel where she's staying. Or, or, no, sorry. Well, after the social function, they go back, and Antonio Brown is stated to, you know, force himself on her and rape her. So, you know, that's – if it's true, it's horrible. It's a horrible experience for her to have to go through. Then again, you know, I don't know if it's true, but these allegations are out there now. Um, some interesting points from the police report. She has good counsel. Evidently, she said she got her counsel and she uh, from her church that she goes to. Her pastor is involved in law and, you know, is helping her through the process. One of those steps that immediately helped her or, or significantly helps her through the process is she had an FBI-regulated uh, lie detector test. So that is an FBI efficient doing the lie detector test as opposed to a police officer, as opposed to a security agency. You know, those guys can screw up results or may not be trained on these things. CIA and FBI don't screw it up. You're going to get you're going to get a locked in report. And evidently she passed it. So that's damning evidence. Um, you know, still not saying she's in the right. Still not saying he did it, but. It's damning evidence, and that alone will make sure that this thing has legs and it will not go away. I mean, they're at the point right now, too. I mean, 
from reading everything, she's not like a, a, a gold digger. She's not somebody that runs around. She's a good character girl, goes to church, and uh, is and she's meeting with the League. So the League's going to flush this out on their side as well. I don't know if it's going to lead to a suspension while they are investigating this stuff, but if her evidence is damning, the League's going to make a move, and they're going to make one harder than they've been making in the past. Um, with the Ray Rice situation, when they slapped him with two games before the before the video came out, and everybody knows there's no place in a casino where there is no videotape. Videotape got leaked in the elevator. We saw his Mike Tyson's punch out of his fiance, and he's never played football since. You know, there's not going to be a tape in this situation, but damning evidence is going to be taken more seriously by Roger Goodell, and it's just going to be a mess. And Antonio Brown is at the point right now, too, where he cannot he cannot fight it and state that he is in the right. Just with what he's been doing for the past few years, his character, whether it's been fabricated to get himself cut or not, is already laid out for looking like an imbecile. So he has no character defense in any court of law. Dragging this thing out is going to be the worst thing for the New England Patriots. Because with Antonio Brown, you get one of the best players of the league, but you get all of his baggage. And they've got to they've got to take all of that baggage and all of that entails. So while they were starting off, ha ha ha, we tricked the Steelers, we tricked the Raiders, we got the guy we wanted. Congratulations, Bill Belichick. You got the guy you wanted. Congratulations, Robert Kraft. You got the guy you wanted. That's not going away. It's not going away like Robert Kraft going down and getting handies in Florida. It's not going away. It's not going away like Bill Belichick cheating on his wife like he cheats on everything else. It's just not going away. Antonio Brown's there to stay. He's going to be constant news. Such constant news already that Bill Belichick walked out on the coach's press conference walked out because all he was getting was Antonio Brown questions get used to it Bill here they come you got the circus when you when you get a a brown who is actually a clown you get the circus with the clown enjoy it you're going to be having it all year long with this case it's not going away might be interesting though one other small point I want to bring up that nobody's talking about is the way that the Patriots structured the contract with Antonio Brown also puts in provisions providing he does crazy stuff to shed bad light on the New England Patriots. They can cut him and cut his guaranteed money. So maybe all that fabrication about Antonio Brown getting kicked off the team in the Raiders wasn't all fabricated. Maybe they know he is a little bit of an issue because you wouldn't set up a contract like that unless you knew it was a little bit of an issue. And looking back at the Raiders situation, the only thing that I know for a fact that was over the top and that was set up by Antonio Brown to get him kicked off that team was that super produced video that came out on social media, him against the world. Only his perspective. That was it. You know, the feet thing, he's an idiot. That's that's him 
not in the cryo chamber, but him not practicing all all off season and trying to run AB hard on AB's soft feet, soft multi-millionaire feet, which now that money has flown away. And if he gets cut again, that's the last time he's going to see that. If, if the Patriots, if the Steelers, Raiders, and Patriots, well, Raiders not so much, but if the Steelers and Patriots cut you in one calendar year, nobody is going to take a chance on you with a dollar value. That's the last money Antonio Brown is ever going to see. Ever. So, good luck to you, Antonio. Good luck to you on the whole on the whole uh, civil charge, which may be turning into a criminal charge now from some new reports. But that's on you, man. That's on you. Well, moving forward, we still have a game coming up. Seattle Seahawks, Steelers home opener. I am excited about it. I am definitely confident that they will not put up the exact same showing that we just saw last week. Uh, you know... Seattle's a good team though. They've got a they've got a great defense. They put on they've got great pressure on defense. They ended up with four sacks in the uh, Cincinnati game. And you know, their their defenders are all over the place. You got Trey Flowers getting 10 tackles in that game, Bobby Wagner with 8. You have two sacks coming from Quentin Jefferson. You got a sack coming from the newly acquired Jadavian Clowney. And we know him well, obviously. Uh, Rasheem Green got a sack. So they can bring pressure from a lot of different spaces, and the Steelers got to be ready for it. Um, I think they give you more of a problem in your blocking scheme than the Patriots do. Uh, Patriots are better defending down the field. They are better getting pressure at the line of scrimmage. So we'll have to see how this shakes out and how the Steelers choose to utilize their blockers and and extra blockers to defend some of these pass rushers on, on big downs. Um, a couple points I'm going to make about the game. They were playing Cincinnati Bengals. They played them in Seattle and Seattle barely won. Cincinnati might be the worst team in the division this year. I don't know though they scored 17 more points than the Steelers did last week, but maybe Seattle isn't as tough is what I'm saying. We'll have to see. I mean, on, on offense, they still have Russell Wilson. He's a smart player. He's an efficient quarterback. He went 14 of 20 for 195 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, efficient as hell. Smart player. Also makes some plays with his feet, four carries for eight yards. They didn't have a big rusher. They had 15 rushes for 46 yards and a touchdown from Chris Carson. Um, you know, not big passing numbers at all. I mean, you're not going to get big passing numbers for your receivers when you're under 200 yards rush, uh, passing. But the majority of those passing plays, four of them went to DK Metcalf for 89 yards. Touchdowns got spread out a bit with Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson, each catching a touchdown. So Steelers are going to have to play the field, play the entire defense, and uh, make plays across the field because it's a balanced attack. They're a smart team. They're good on offense. They're good on defense. Steelers have to be the same, and they have to be better. They have to be better than they were last week. Because if they come out the same way, which I don't think they're going to come out the same way. I, th I think they're going to have more of a, of a rushing attack this week. I can see them kind of going at Seattle a little bit harder. Uh, I mean, Seattle did a great job of shutting down Cincinnati's rushing offense. And, and you know, I think, I think Bernard ended up leading the AFC in rushing last year. Uh, he's held to 21 yards. So, you know, maybe the Steelers will have to do it with the passing. I mean, John Ross had a field day, which was huge for him, being 
that, you know, he was drafted in the first round to be this huge receiver, hasn't really lived up to his billing, you know, had some good games, had a lot of bad games, had some injuries, but first game of season, seven receptions, 158 yards and two touchdowns, man, he's up there in the top of the league. He had a great game against them, and hopefully the Steelers can get some good good receivers open and get some long touchdowns against them because that looks like to be their weak point, whereas for the longest time, Seattle secondary used to be their strongest point. Now you have Andy Dalton ripping off 400 yards, two touchdowns and no interceptions. You know, Steelers are looking good for the passing attack this week. <clears throat> It'll be looking good for... Washington deep. It'll be looking good for Juju Smith-Schuster. Hopefully it'll be looking better for Dante Moncrief and he gets less than four drops in this game, but I'm definitely confident he is not going to repeat that this season, and at least I hope not because he's got the Mon Moncrief has the pedigree, man. He's a, a talented receiver. He's fast. He can do it all. Short yardage, short pass plays across the middle, intermediate plays, deep plays, I'm just waiting for him to put it together. You know, it's it, may, it might take a couple weeks here, but if he puts it together and he ends up being the Dante Moncrief that played with um, Andrew Luck at their height, he's going to be a really great pickup, and we're going to be glad we have him as opposed to be lamenting the fact that we had him after week one. Still going to give him the benefit of the doubt. One game is not a trend. One game is the game. We'll keep watching through September to see how he progresses. No way to <laughs> Nowhere to go but up in that case. Nowhere to go but up. Well, that's everything I have to talk about today for the SteelerNation.com podcast sponsored by Stony Brewing. I'm your host, G Striker. Thanks for spending some time with me. Come on over to SteelerNation.com and check out our forum and our articles, which I get to write as well. Also, make sure you join us on social media. You can tweet us at SteelerNation or Instagram us at SteelerNation.com. So we'll see you soon. Come join the forum. I post as Cope. We can have some great discussion there and join the football discussion there as well. Awesome. Here we go. Steelers' first home game. I'm there rooting along with you all. Steeler Nation, as always, go Steelers!